Before we get to today's show, I want to ask you all for a big favor. Make sure you leave a rating or review. If you listen to the podcast, if you get value out of it, let us know. Leave a rating or review for two reasons. Number one, it helps other people find the show. It makes sure that we're climbing up the charts. And number two, it lets us know that we're doing something right. I read all the ratings and reviews. I want to know what you guys like. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at RealJohnDavids and hashtag making it. You can talk to me. I want to know what you guys think. Now let's get to today's show. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. What's up, guys? JD here. I'm going to share a story with you today that I think you guys are going to like a lot. This is a story of how I built a $300,000 a year business while I was in college. And I sort of did it by accident. And it's a good story. I'm going to share with you the ups, the downs, how I hacked my way through it. I didn't really know anything. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any connections. But I managed to do it. And I learned some really important lessons that I still use today. And they're very valuable. So I'm going to share the story with you. I'm going to tell you what I learned. It's a pretty good story, I think. I've, I've, uh, I've shared this a couple of times on Twitter. People seem to like it. So for some background, I've always been into the media business. I've loved media since as long as I can remember. I used to walk into bookstores and pick up magazines off the rack and just look at the masthead. The masthead is the first couple pages. You'll have usually like all the credits that tell you who went in to make the magazine. So like the editors, the photographers, the page layout, the ad sales, the corporate development, the video people, like all the people that go in to make a magazine. I would sit there and I would just read. I'll sit after a movie in a theater and I'll watch the credits roll by. I want to know every role that goes into making a movie. Who's catering this movie? Who's providing transportation? Who's providing security? Who's doing the production accounting? Like, I'm really a media nerd and I have been like this all my life. And so it made total sense that I was going to build a media business. And I just couldn't wait. I, I had to do it when I was in college. And so when I was in college, it was the early 2000s. And the internet obviously was bubbling up. This is pre-Facebook. This is pre-BuzzFeed. This is pre-Vice. There were no big online media companies. The only media companies that existed online at the time were traditional media companies that had websites, which were all crappy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to build a media company, basically like a blog, that's going to cover topics that people are interested in. And I really didn't know what I wanted to cover. Like, was I going to cover sports or pets or whatever? And I ended up going with women's lifestyle. And I have no idea why I picked this topic. It just, it sort of came into place. You'll understand why in a second, but women's lifestyle. So picture like a BuzzFeed type online magazine. And you cover things like relationships and fashion and work-life balance and travel and food and all just kinds of stuff that you might find if you opened up Cosmo magazine or Vogue or whatever. And it wasn't that I was an expert on this topic. I just thought, this is evergreen content. So we can make it. We don't have to rely on like you know following the news and like doing research. It's basically just opinion content. It can be recycled. So, like, you can publish an article today and someone can read it in six months and it's basically the same information. And it's easy, it's commodity content. Like, it doesn't take, again, like a trained journalist a long time to write this kind of content. So, that, that was my idea. I was going to start a website on women's lifestyle. 
Okay. Now I should mention a few things here. I didn't know how to develop websites. I didn't know how to write. I didn't know how to build audiences. Like I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. So there were a few things I was definitely going to have to figure out. Number one, I was going to have to figure out how to build a website. So I'll tell you what I did there. So if I was doing it today, it's actually pretty simple. You start a WordPress site. You could have someone develop it. If you don't know how to do it, you could do it yourself, even with no coding knowledge. But back in the day, there was no WordPress. And so I went on to... I did some research online. And I found this website called guru.com. G-U-R-U, which still exists today. And guru.com was basically a freelancer site, much like you know Upwork or Fiverr. I mean, it's super, super common today. You can get freelancers. You can get people all over the world working for you on these short gigs. Back in the day, like 2003, 4, 5, this was not common. But I found this website called Guru. And I went on there and I posted an ad. And I said, I'm looking for someone that can build me a website where I can post an article and and schedule it to be published on a certain day and have maybe have comments on that article page and have a homepage that lists all the articles and I want to be able to categorize the articles so I could have like a section for travel and a section for relationships and whatever. So I, I put this, you know, ad posting and I found this guy in I think it was a guy. It might have been a girl actually. I don't even know, but I found this guy or girl in India and basically I negotiated a deal. By the way, I should mention I had like 200 bucks in my bank account at this time. And I negotiated a deal where for $100, he would build me a website. And the website was coded on a platform called PHP Nuke. To this day, I have no idea what that means. But if any of you were around back at that time, maybe you'll recognize PHP Nuke. That was the coding language or library or whatever. I don't even know what that was. But he said, Yeah, I could build it for you in PHP Nuke. It'll do everything you want it to do and like transfer me uh, deposit now. So we negotiated a price, 100 bucks. That was the price. $100, you'll develop this site from start to finish. I don't know how long it'll take. I don't know what goes into it, but like this is what I need. I've got 200 bucks in my bank account and 50% of that seemed like a good price. Okay, great. That's what we did. So it took him, I think, like two or three weeks. And I had this website. And every couple of days, I would check in with Skype at the time and I would. Skype him and say, hey, let me check it out, whatever. And we got this website done. And so now I had a website and it was designed okay. It wasn't great, but it was good enough for what I wanted. So now I had a website. But I thought to myself, I don't want to write articles. I don't want to be the one to actually write articles. So this was a big hack that I figured out back in the day. And I actually still do this today. You guys can take this. So I was going to college at the time and I contacted... I knew that my college had a big English department. English, literature, journalism, all that stuff was very popular where I went. So I thought, okay, I'm going to see if I can get students who want to write articles for free. That was my initial thought. And then I kind of worked backwards and said, what am I going to do? Am I going to like stand outside the classrooms and ask people if they want to write articles? Or am I going to hand out flyers? And I think I actually did a couple of those things. And then I smartened up and I thought, okay, what if there's a job board? So I figured if there's a job board, I could get people to write articles for me as like a part-time job or a you know, summer job, whatever. And so I went to the registrar's office, like, like the department head, the English department head. And I said, you guys have a job board. They said, what's the job? I said, I started a website and I want to get writers to write for this website, articles on like travel and fashion and whatever. 
And they're like, well, we don't have a job board for that kind of thing. Our job board is more for like big companies like Cisco or Microsoft that want to hire. But I could just send an email out to the listserv. And I said, what's the listserv? And the receptionist uh, in the office was like, oh, we have like email addresses of every single student. And I could just send an email out saying, hey, this, you know, university student here wants to start this website and whatever. And I said, oh, like you can do that for free. She's like, yeah, why not? Like you're a student here, right? I said, yeah. She goes, okay. I said, how big is that list, by the way? She said, oh, it's about 7,000 students. I said, you can send an email out to 7,000 English students telling them that I want them to write for my website for free. She's like, yeah, just send me the job posting. I sent her the job posting, and I'm not kidding you guys. Within an hour after that listserv email went out, I had like 75 applications, and they were all good. They were all people that were totally qualified, you know, second, third year English college students who wanted to write articles. And I was like, done. Okay, great. So I went ahead and hired, I think, like four people. And when I say hired, I basically just said, Hey, you guys are going to write for free, but I'll give you experience. I'll put it on your resume. Like, who was I? I was like a second year college student. I didn't tell them that. I was a second year college student at the time, starting this website, telling these people who were all a lot of them older than me, you're going to write for this website for free. I'll give you, you know, a good recommendation letter, put it on your resume. And that's what I did. And so now I had writers. And a little side note, I actually had one of those writers, I assigned her to be the editor. Again, didn't pay her, but her job was to edit the other writers. So they would submit their content. This girl would read the articles, proofread them, and get them up on the website. So I actually had her managing the website, the content on the site. I was still doing a lot of the editorial thinking and whatever, the editorial direction, but the day-to-day was being done here. Okay, I want to remind you guys. So here I am with a website, staff of like four writers and an editor, and I have spent $100. So anytime someone says to me, I don't have the money to do this, like you get really creative, okay? I was a second-year college student with 200 bucks in my bank account, and I was halfway, probably like 75% of the way of having a fully functional digital media company at this point. Okay. So now I had my website, I had my content, and we started publishing articles and we had exactly zero readers. Like we had no readers. Why would we? Like I were, we were doing some promotional things. I was telling people to like share it with their friends. Again, this is like, there's no Facebook, there's no LinkedIn, there's no nothing. So it's like, tell people, email your articles to people, right? So that's what we were doing. And I thought to myself, okay, I need a way to get my content out there. And these days, what I would call it is channel strategy. You need to have channels. If people are going to be discovering your products or services, you need to have marketing channels, you need to have sales channels. I wasn't sophisticated enough back in the day to know what that was called. But that's what it was. I needed some kind of channel to get my content out there. And so I started to do some research and I looked at what were the biggest content sites on the internet. And back in the early 2000s, the biggest content sites were AOL, MSN, and Yahoo. Those big web portals. So AOL.com, huge, huge company. AOL Time Warner at the time. Obviously, Microsoft owned MSN.com. Yahoo was its own company, the biggest web portal, actually the biggest website in the world for probably over a decade, Yahoo.com and all the Yahoo affiliated properties. And there were a few others, but those were the big three. And I thought, okay, these guys are huge sites with tons of traffic. And if you go to their homepage, they're publishing articles on travel, relationships, fashion, sports, pets, cooking, all these things that I was doing. 
So I thought, okay, what if I could get my content on their site? That would be great. That would be a great way to get people to see my brand. And so I set out to make that happen. And I was doing phone calls for weeks and weeks and weeks. Weeks turned into months. I think I finally got a hold of somebody at MSN. I still remember his name. His name was... What was his name? Graham. His name was Graham. So I got a hold of Graham, who was running this MSN company. The editorial division, at least. He was like editor-in-chief of MSN or some title like that. And I got a hold of Graham and I basically said, Hey, my name's John. I've got this website. I've got a lot of content. I want to know if we can provide content to you. And Graham was very nice. He's like, You know what? Talk to my head content manager. Her name is Aileen. Contact Aileen. So I was like, Great. So I contacted Aileen. I gave her a call. I said, Hey, I talked to Graham. He said, I should talk to you about getting content onto MSN. And these people were actually very nice. Now, I would have a lot of phone calls. A lot of the phone calls that I had before that and a lot of the phone calls I had after that were not as nice at all. People were hanging up on me, didn't want to talk, never returned my calls. Like This was not easy at all. But between Graham and Aileen, I actually got people that were interested to hear what I was saying. So I got, I got Aileen on the phone and she's like, Oh, what kind of content do you have? I said, We've got travel, relationships, fashion. And I actually said, like, whatever, whatever you want. I mean, we align with what you guys publish. And even if we don't publish something today that you want, a topic, for example, we'll make that. We'll make it happen. She goes, okay, why don't you send me a few articles? Let me take a look and I'll get back to you. I said, awesome. So I emailed her a few articles and a week goes by, two weeks, three weeks. I don't hear back from Aileen. Finally, after like three weeks, I call her again. I said, hey, Aileen, it's John calling. You know, Can we do something? Can we get some content on your site? She said, you know, John, I'm not sure exactly how it would fit in. Why don't we set up a meeting? I said, absolutely. That sounds great. Let's do a meeting. So I put on my best suit. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my early 20s here. I don't know what work culture, office culture is like. Sorry, early 20s. What am I saying? I was like 18, 19 years old. I wasn't even 20 yet. So I go into the office and I'm wearing a suit and I walk in and immediately what I see is everybody is wearing like shorts and t-shirts. Nobody is wearing suits. Okay. This is like, dot com, early 2000s. Nobody's wearing suits and ties. I was the only one. Whatever. I walk in. I sit down at her office. I think at this point, I take it off my tie and loosen my, my collared shirt. And she's like, well, tell me about your company. What, what do you guys publish? And we had a really, really good meeting. I was explaining to her, hey, here's what I did. I have a bunch of writers. I didn't tell her that they were all working for free. We have a bunch of writers. We produce content. We do like 7 articles a week or 10 articles a week right now. We can provide you, let's say, five articles every week. And she's like, that's awesome. How much would you want to charge us for your content? I said, oh, I don't want to charge you. She said, well, what, what exactly do you want? And I had to think on my feet real quick. And I said, okay, what I want is, I want to provide you with five articles a week. And on every single article, at the bottom of every article, I want it to say related articles. And I want to list two or three or four related articles and the links to those articles are going to take people back to my site. So they can read a full article on your site. And then when they click, you know, read more, you read the article on five, way, five questions to ask on the first date. And then the, the related article says, 10 things you need to know about your girlfriend right now. And you click on that and it would take you to my site. That's what I want. And she said, oh, so like free content, you'll give it to us, you'll write it, you'll edit it. You'll give it to us and it won't cost us anything. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly the deal. And fortunately, at the time, they were paying for their content. And so here I was talking to a content manager who basically thought, 
okay, well, I'll take content from you. It saves me content on my budget. It saves me on my content budget. I can run more ads and your content looks good, looks high quality. Sure, I'll do it. Now, it might sound crazy to you. Why would one of the biggest companies, well, the biggest company in the world, Microsoft, and they have MSN, one of the biggest websites in the entire world, why were they taking a college kid into their office and saying, yeah, we'll take your content? Well, here's what you have to understand about big companies. Everybody's separate. Everybody's different. Everybody's got their own challenges, their own objectives, their own goals they have to hit. And if you can help them hit their goal, they're just one person trying to get their their job done. So if you can help them solve their problems, you'd be amazed at how far you can get. And it doesn't matter, big company, small company. This is why I'm never intimidated about working with big companies. And I've always had big clients from my very first business, which I sold, this one that I'm talking about right now. All of our biggest clients, advertisers, were the biggest companies in the world. I was never intimidated to talk to big companies. And this is the perfect reason why. Everyone's just somebody trying to get their job done. That's all we're trying to do at the end of the day. And if you can help somebody, if you can add value to what they're doing, they'll be more than happy to talk to you. That's a little lesson I wanted to share now. Okay, let me get back to the story. So now I actually had distribution. So let me tell you guys the turning point in this story. Okay, I start off with a website, got that done. I had regular articles being published. That was, that was done. MSN was going live with my content. I don't remember the exact day, but it was a it was a Saturday that they were going to go live. So we had given them all the content. And then on this Saturday, our story, our stories were going to start to be featured on MSN. And what they actually did was they featured us on the MSN homepage. So MSN.com homepage probably got, I don't know, 50 million to 100 million visitors a day on that, on that one homepage. So not only were we going to be in the relationship section of the website or the travel section of the website, but we're going to be featured on the homepage. I remember I was at a friend's house for dinner. I was in college, just you know, at a friend's house. We were making dinner. And all of a sudden, I get an email from my web hosting company, the company I was paying. I think I was paying like 8 bucks a month to host my website. And they said... The guy emailed me and was like, dude, he was a friend of mine. He was like, dude, you got you to gotta figure out what's going on with your website. I said, what's going on? He said, you're getting an influx of traffic. I don't know what's happening. You always get like, you know, whatever, 100 visitors a week. And here we are on Saturday night and you've got like 7,000 people coming to your site every minute. And I was like, what are you talking about? I think he actually called me up. He was like, you got you to gotta fix this because it's taking our servers offline. And I got a bunch of clients complaining. We were on a shared server. I got a bunch of clients complaining, you got to figure out what's going on or I got to kick your server offline. I got to kick your website off our server. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, give me a minute. Let me figure out what's going on. And so I thought, could it be? So I went to MSN.com and boom, the headline on MSN.com was an article that we had published. You click on it. It takes you to the article on MSN. You scroll down and there are related articles to our website. And those related links were getting clicked nonstop. And I went to our real-time traffic dashboard to see how many people were on our site at that particular moment. And usually the number would be like three or two or seven. And it was like 4,000. And every minute I would refresh the screen, I was just staring at it. You guys know what this is like. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're looking at your website dashboard and you're used to seeing nothing garbage numbers. And all of a sudden you see like 4,000 people. 4,200, 4,700, 3,900, 5,200. It was like mind-blowing. And I'm looking at my website. I'm thinking, oh, we've made it. But I got a big problem. 
the problem I got now is I actually have to figure out another way to host my site. So I scrambled that night. I basically got in touch with a company. I went with Rackspace. I got in touch with the company. I went from paying $8 a month in ad serving fees and I, I, had, I had no money. So to host my site, paying $8 a month was, was one thing. I, I switched to Rackspace. Just the migration going from my server to Rackspace was like $500, which was like a fortune. I had no money. And then I was paying 300 bucks a month. So th- this was totally out of my budget. So what did I do? I went to the one investor that I knew would take care of me. I went to my mom called my mom up and I said, Okay, mom, I need your help. I, I got to borrow some money. She's like, how much? I said, I need like, I need like two grand, three grand. And my mom did not have a lot of money. We're, I was not a rich family by any means. And so she s- scraped it together and, and it was in my bank account the next day. And I had... And I said, I, I promise I'll pay you back. I didn't know how, but I said, I promise I will pay you back. And so we switched our servers. I hired a few more writers, and now we were up and rolling. So now I had a website. I had content writers. I, I think I had brought on board like 15 content writers at this point. I still wasn't paying them. I had lots of traffic. I thought, okay, I got to make money fast because now I owe my mom $2,000. And I'm going to run out of this money pretty quickly because I got to pay like 300 bucks a month to Rackspace. So I did some research. And if you guys were around at this time, you know exactly where I'm going with this. But there was a beautiful thing called Google AdSense. And Google AdSense saved my life. I still have the checks. I still have the check stubs, actually, to a lot of those early checks. So Google AdSense was wonderful. You didn't need to sell ads, go talk to advertisers, get them to run ads on your site. You literally took a piece of code from Google. You slapped it on your site, a JavaScript on your site. And what it would do is it would show ads that were relevant to, this, to the content on the page. And because I was, pu- I was publishing articles, I had a content site on travel, you know, fashion, whatever, a lot of the ads were super targeted, super relevant. You'd come and read an article about like the top 10 destinations to go in the Caribbean, and you'd have like Expedia and Travelocity and American Airlines. All the ads were popping up from Google Ads and getting clicked a ton. And all of a sudden, my income went from nothing to about 5000 a month, 10000 a month. I would get checks for 12000 a month, 20000 a month. I still have the check stubs to prove it. Here I was, a college student. I had started a website. I had brought on a bunch of writers for free. I had figured out a great channel strategy teaming up with MSN. And now I had Google AdSense on my site and I was raking it in. Raking it in certainly at that time. I mean, to go from no money to all of a sudden getting a check for you know, $5,000 a month and your costs are like nothing. So this was great. And this was really the path that set me on the entrepreneurship course. I had had companies before this. I had had startups. I had done things. Nothing really worked out. But this was the first time I actually had something. I put a bunch of pieces together and I said, oh, this actually works. This is actually working. So let me fast forward a little bit. What did I do? I ended up paying the writers. I, I didn't, I, you know, no one was getting rich off this. I wasn't paying them a ton of money. I think I was paying them like 20 or 25 bucks an article. I started paying my editor a few bucks an hour to, you know, edit the site. And we were rock and rolling. So let's close off with some lessons. What are some lessons that you can take away that I still use today? Number one, You've got to be really creative if you don't have skills like me. Like, I'm really good at business. I'm really good at ideas. I'm really good at selling. But a lot of the tactics, I don't have a lot of skills that I use every day in my businesses, right? 
I wasn't a writer. I've had software companies. I wasn't a developer. You know, I, I, I've I've always had businesses where I don't actually do the practice. I'm not the I'm not the practitioner, right? It would be like owning a restaurant when when you don't know how to cook. So what you start to realize is the power of the team, the power of other people is essential. You absolutely need to have other people in your business if you're going to do anything that scales. And the reverse is also true. If you are the practitioner, you are someone that actually does the work yourself. It's very, very hard to scale because you're keeping super busy doing the work. And that simply doesn't pay off at the end of the day. It can pay off if that's what you love to do and you just want to have a nice lifestyle business. If you really enjoy gardening or landscaping and you have a business where you do people's gardening and you go buy the flowers and you plant the seeds and you turn the soil yourself and you enjoy doing that, great, good for you, all the power to you. But if you want to have a large landscaping company, you cannot be planting flowers on your own. It just doesn't work. So the power of a team and the power of not being able to do the service that your company provides actually allows you to scale in a much more seamless way. The second thing is labor. Labor, which is an extension of team because a team is basically everyone's providing labor, understanding creative ways to get labor and to get labor done and and valuable trade-offs. This is really important. And I'm not suggesting that you should start a business where you don't pay people like I did. I mean, I didn't have any money. I wasn't making any money. As soon as I did make money, I, I did start to pay people. But understanding that there's other types of values that could be exchanged. So if you need work done, what can you do for other people that provides value to them while they can provide value to you in return? Maybe it is something like extra credit. Maybe it is something like, you know, I'll give you a great referral. Maybe it is something where they can help you. You give them some equity in your company. Like there's all kinds of things you can do. And again, when people say, like, oh, you know, I, I need someone to do this for me, but I can't afford to pay them, I couldn't afford to pay anybody, but I figured out a class of people, a group of people, college students who were trying to get experience and some piece of value that I could give them for something that they would probably be doing anyways. Don't forget, a lot of these college students were already blogging and writing in their spare time anyhow. I just gave them a surface, a canvas to do it on. And by the way, a lot of those people became very well-known bloggers as a result. They've moved on. They have great careers. I keep in touch with many of, of the early writers from that company. And a lot of them actually use that as kind of their very first big job because they had their articles being published on MSN. Don't forget, you're a college student one day writing articles for this guy. And the next day, your articles are being published on MSN. You're still not getting paid right away. But that was worth way more than the $30 I was going to pay them for their article, right? Actually being published on one of the biggest websites in the world. So understanding labor and providing value in exchange for labor is a really, really important thing. Number three is promotional or sales channels. Every business, whatever you're doing, you absolutely need to think about sales channels and promotional channels. Some people think, if I build it, they will come. That never happens. You can build the greatest thing in the world, the greatest product, the greatest service. People are not going to magically find it. You have to get in their face. Figuring out your promotional channels, your sales channels is critical. When I started providing content to MSN, and all of a sudden, we were one of the biggest websites in the world, the biggest content sites in the world. The content was the exact same on Thursday as it was on Monday, you know, two days prior, but nobody knew about it. You've got to figure out your promotional channels if people are going to discover you and become your customers. And finally, number four, hustle. 
hustle, persistence, longevity. It's not enough to start something, do it for a couple of days, and then say, oh, that's not working. I'm going to do something else. I was doing this for weeks and weeks and months and months before I got anywhere, right? Every single thing that I told you about took a long time and a lot of stress to actually get done. Figuring out how to build a website when you don't know how to code, that was an entire mission on its own. A lot of people would have quit right there. Figuring out how to get a bunch of content on that site when you're not a writer, that was a mission on its own. Again, a lot of people would have just quit right there. Figuring out how to get traffic to that website when you, again, you're just some kid in college with no, no connections, a lot of people would have quit right there. A lot of people hung up on me, said, don't call me again. Right? I was cold calling people. That was not easy. I like to say, fulfilling work is the reward for hard work. Right? It's always going to be hard at first. When you start a company, when you start anything that's worth doing, the very, very first things you do are going to be hard. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be exciting. It's going to be hard. And then when you get over that hump, which could take six months, a year, two years, three years, when you get over that hump, it becomes fulfilling and you have the freedom to start doing things that you really enjoy. That comes after the really hard work. And that's the story of how I built my very first company doing $300,000 a year in college. I want to know what you guys think. What have you guys built? What do you guys want to build? And what do you guys want to learn? Get me on Twitter at RealJohnDavids, R-E-A-L-J-O-N-D-A-V-I-D-S. Make sure to subscribe to this feed. Tell me what you want to hear. And I'll talk to you guys soon.